And welcome to Improper Mimi. This is your host, Mimi Jacks. And today we had a very special show. We started off with a wine tasting. We discussed women and wine. And I'm sitting here on my couch, everyone virtual wine tasting with Keisha Ogalvez and Leah Faith Williams. And so ladies, I'd love for you to introduce yourselves and then tell me what it is that you're drinking. I'll, I'll start, of course. I am drinking as Lena. I'm drinking the Sauvignon Blanc. And this is a, um, it, it's a black, um, it is a black owned, you know, brand wine from South Africa. And um, I will have to see how to pronounce her name, but it's Nsiki Biyeli, Biyela. And, uh, and she is the first black wine um, uh, owner down in uh, South Africa. So I will leave it up to you ladies to introduce yourself and let me know what you're drinking. Okay, I am Leah Faith Williams. I am a champagne lover. Um, so I am drinking Hudson Champagne, the smaller producer out of champagne. Um, and yeah, apparently today is Saturday. And, that, and so I'm having champagne. Yeah. Champagne every day. It's okay. Every day. <laughs> okay, so I'm Chef Keisha Galvez, owner and chef of Gourmet Diva Inc. in New York City. And today my choice is the McBride Sisters Chardonnay. Oh, wait, 2017 from California. So I'm happy to be sipping on that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we had a really great wine tasting and we had people um you know from all parts of the country that tuned in and even also even on instagram i had people that were giving us questions because we were asking them what is it um about black women in the wine industry if you can ask a question what would you ask so i think i'm going to kick it off and just start with um one of the questions here what really got you interested in the wine industry and, and how are you where you are today i mean for me um, I moved to New York as a performer and hence I was working in a lot of restaurants. So I, um, and I worked in a lot of high, like fine dining, high end, and I started just tasting wine. I was friends with sommeliers and, and I, they would say, you should try this. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really nice. And, oh, that's, what is that? That's really nice. And so I, I just was kind of um, stumbled into it, so to speak. I just kind of was like, wow, this is really great. And then I started to self-study because it's really interesting to me, um, the nuances and how things can be so different yet the same. And I thought it was really interesting. Um, so I, and then just, there's such a variety. Wine is so, so vast. Yeah. So you can, you can just, it's so different in every country and then regions and so much to learn and it really brings people together. So that's how I got into it. And then as I was studying and I was working as a SOM and as a manager, as a wine director, just know, just realizing how people treated me and just the snootiness of it uh -huh. and not wanting to do that to other people. That's my whole thing. And I have to sometimes check myself because the more you know and the things that I like to drink, obviously I don't drink what I drank 10 years ago. Um, but 
just because I like to drink really nice champagne every day doesn't mean that if you don't like what I drink, that there's something like, I don't want to look, I don't ever want people to feel like I'm talking down to them because of what they like. Because that happens a lot, especially to black women, black people in general. But I mean, you know, they don't, they don't expect us to know anything about wine. Um, so I, I just, it's really great to be able to share what I know with people and not be a, a wine snob. Yes, yeah. We want no wine snobbery here. No wine snobbery. <laughs> Definitely. Um, what, my name is Keisha Denise Ogales and I grew up in the Bronx. My parents are from Belize. Everybody knew around me was Hispanic. Wine did not come into my life until probably uh, college. Probably a Ziffendale, like probably everybody else, right? You start with these random wines, you're just tasting them, but you're just drinking because you just want to get drunk. There was no wine yeah. education. There's no sadness when it came to wine. Then you probably get to your 20s and you might get a little professional job and you go into these mixers and you kind of like, you know, you either go white or red. Yeah. yeah. But for me, going through my life, just knowing who I am, I'm definitely about women empowerment. I'm a person who likes better things or just, I'm just a person who likes to learn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So kind of going through that motion, wine is never something that for me was something I need to be educated on. Mm -hmm. I know, need to know about the variety of grapes, how wine was produced, how wine is distributed. But going through life, you just start to notice that discrepancy between, oh, there's actually a world of wine. And just, even though I just like to, I'm a wino. I don't care. I just want to drink wine. <laughs> you know, I don't care if it's coming out of a box, out of a jug. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Nobody, you know, says like, oh yeah, there's a finer world of wine. And it's cool that's actually, it's a study. Like it's something that you can actually get into and get geeky about. I'm a, I'm a dork. I don't care. You know? <laughs> it's that engineer Same. mindset that we have. It's like once you learn about something, you want to discover and learn more. Exactly. So I want to understand like the the reasoning behind how things work and why things work. So when we talk about wine and you know talking about the taste and the different notes that we find in them, I'm like, hmm. So what am I tasting in this? Because you, like you say, yeah, I, I just like wine. So I pick up a bottle. I'm like, oh, yeah, I like this. I don't like that one. And it's too steely. You know, that one's too much oak. But this one's very crisp and clean. But I really, like you say, I would like to learn more about it. Because, yeah, when we go out to restaurants, when we go to the steakhouse with the, the, the old white men engineers, and they're the ones mm -hmm, picking yep. the wine because they're the ones who picked the Italian restaurant in the first place. You know, right. I kind of want to be like, oh, actually, I would like this bottle of Chardonnay instead. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So in addition to Leah and Keisha, we decided to ask a winemaker to join us in this conversation as well. So please welcome uh, Paula Harrell. She is with P. Harrell Wines, and I'll let her introduce herself. And it's great to meet you both virtually this way. Um, I am uh, the owner and founder of P. Harrell Wines, and I launched it about five years ago. It's, it'll be five years in November, which I cannot believe that all this time has passed. Um, I, uh, I'm a San Francisco native. Um, I'm a child of an immigrant mother from Panama and an American military father from Oklahoma. I took a 
semester abroad to Madrid, Spain, and it was sort of my first introduction to wine and wine culture. Um, I'm going to say I was really into the wine culture. I thought it was so, you know, the whole European culture, sitting outside at cafes and sipping and, you know, pairing and all this good stuff. So I kind of did, I fell in love with the culture first. And then when I moved back home after school, I started to spend some time in Napa. And over the years, I just stayed in, in mortgage finance. And all along, well, I, I think I was spending just as much time hanging out in the wine country as I was working for all of these years. Um, but the more time I spent, the more I learned the more, um, you know, there was a draw for me. And so I, I then began spending time with winemakers and wine growers and psalms and um, wine club managers and things of that nature and working at some of these wineries for fun, just like for the events on the weekends. And, uh, and it just became a, a part of me. So it really did. And I, and I started to introduce wine to a lot of other people. So I was bringing droves of people of color up to the wine countries, which was back then in the 90s, early 2000s, I should say, um, you know, there weren't that many of us up there. I mean, there still aren't that many of us up there, but um, I thought it was important for people to be exposed more and not to feel any kind of hesitation, um, you know, with, when they went to different wineries. And after 15 years of sort of indulging as a hobby, I decided to do something in, in wine. Um, my uncle Greg, he was sort of a wine connoisseur. So I, over these years, he spent a lot of time with me, teaching me about wine, um, going up to various wine countries here and around the country, I mean, sorry, around the country and around the world. And, um, and so one night I was at dinner and I was tasting two different wines. I thought they'd be better together. I blended them. I know you're not supposed to do that, but I couldn't help it. And then I let him try it and he said, this is great, let's order a bottle of this. Which one is this? <laughs> so I had to fess up. And, uh, and I got scolded and he told me, you know, you're not supposed to do that. He said, but this is really good. You have, you must have a knack for this. And he said, but might I suggest you make your own damn wine and stop blending other people's wine. <laughs> so when he said that a light bulb went off in my head and I thought after all this time, I've been offered jobs and tasting rooms and, you know, event management jobs at wineries. And I wasn't interested in any of that. And when he said that, it just went off. I said, that's what I'll do. I'm going to make my own wine. But from that moment, I started doing some research and figured out, I went back to all these people that I had made relationships with over the years and asked, you know, what are the different ways that I could get into the wine industry, making my own wine and, and figured it out and, and then launched in November of 2015. So that's kind of my long story <laughs> of how I got to this point. So yeah. like, yeah, what kind of obstacles like have you faced being in the wine industry as a black woman well i mean it, it's beyond even like the wine industry is part of hospitality so mm -hmm. there's so many things that go along with being a woman in hospitality that you're always kind of having to watch because women are really in in the world of hospitality even though we do all the things and we're great at all the things we are also it's, it's sometimes an uncomfortable um place to be as a it, it's a male dominated everything's male dominated and the women are looked at as like the pretty dainty decorated decoration so that is it's it is an obstacle people don't assume that i'm smart they don't assume that i'm educated they don't assume that i know anything when it comes to wine or hospitality right off the bat um, I, I mentioned during the wine tasting of how a, per, a particular incident when as a buyer, the winemaker 
wouldn't even speak to me, wouldn't even look at me. It could have been because I was black. It could have been because he thought I was younger than I was. It really doesn't matter in my mind as a, as a, I am a, I own a business and I work. And if there is an opportunity to make money, then you should take that opportunity rather than to assume that that person cannot help your business. And it ended up hurting his business in the long run, because then my wine rep wanted me to meet this person and wanted me to taste his wines and put his wines on my wine list. And his initial, like when I met him initially, he wouldn't even give, he wouldn't even look at me. So that happens, that happens a lot. I, I've done events where there's always the one person that thinks they know everything. And it's always, it's always a man. It's always (laughs) a man. It's, It's never a woman that's trying to challenge my knowledge. And you know what? Wine is constantly changing. There is, there are always new varietals being discovered and new procedures and new laws. So things are constantly changing. I am open to somebody saying, hey, that's not the, that's not the case anymore. Or I heard X, Y, and Z. But for someone to cha- just like challenge, I've had people call me for events and then basically want to test my knowledge before they'll hire me. I've started Let's Talk Wine in 2013. So, and I've worked with a lot of people, huge companies. If you don't, you don't have to hire me, that's fine. Yeah. But I will only go so far to prove to you what I know. Yeah. And, and so I think that's something that all women face. But I think at some point, it just gets very, I think by the time you get into your thirties, you're just over it. You're done. You get, you're just <laughs> done having to constantly trying to prove that you are worth somebody's time or that you are smart enough or that you are whatever. And men don't have to do that. <laughs> it's funny. Cause it's like, it's not even just in the wine and culinary industry. I think it's across any, we'll say male dominated industry. And I feel throughout my life, like my background, I've, Exactly, been through engineering and tech, male dominated, finance, male dominated, culinary. Okay, great, male dominated. I'm I'm used to it. It's like I, I don't know. I think I feel a comfort of go ahead, challenge me. I'm am I am who I am, and I'm going to be who I be. I think edging into my 40s, I become comfortable with who I am. And I, for me, my personality is light as air. So usually it's kind of like, oh, it's Keisha. She's she's cool. She's comfort. You know. She's calm, but yeah, but yeah, I know what I, who I am. I know my worth. Yeah, we know our worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that's for all, all women in whatever industry that may be, is to to know their worth, mm-hmm. not to back down. So kudos to you, Leah, to like, you know what, I'll go through the rigmarole with you just a little bit to show who I am, but I don't have to engage with you this long. Right. I'll find another client that is going to appreciate what I bring to the table. So, you know, um, this is always an interesting question for me because I think when I started, um, there were a few, um, there are a few people ahead of me, like Theopolis, Theodore Lee, Uh, Theopolis, of course, Mac, uh, Dan Glover, Ronnie Tigers, there were, there are quite a few people ahead of me. And immediately when I started, I got thrust into um, all these black events, which was fantastic. There are all these people that were like, we want to support black winemakers. And so I was surrounded by a lot of other black winemakers from the beginning. So I feel like I had a little bit of a 
cushion because they'd already been trailblazing, you know, ahead of me. And so I don't, I can't say I found a lot of challenges with getting into the industry. Plus the other people that I needed in the industry for advice and guidance and mentorship were friends already for the last 15 years prior, 10 prior. So I was lucky in the sense that I don't feel like I had to break down a lot of barriers and I didn't have a lot of challenges. But what I will say is that there'd been times where I wanted, I was going after an opportunity, whether it be placing my wine in a small retail store or getting it into a certain restaurant or things of that nature, where I felt like there was a barrier there. I felt like we weren't being taken seriously, like our product wasn't going to be taken seriously. And there were times where it'd be like, oh, you know, the first answer would be, well, we don't really carry sweet wine. Okay, well, I don't have any sweet wine, so let's ask that. Right, exactly. Like, you know, that was kind of the first response a few times. And I'm like, we haven't even talked about my wine yet. Like, you don't even know what I have. So um, I, I do, I feel like there's been some of those barriers. Did you read the article um, that was, I can't, I'm not going to pronounce the name right, so God forbid me, Tahira Habibi from the Hue Society? Oh. So, oh, what happened? Yeah. So, she wrote an article for the Wine Folly, which is a big um, wine education, you know, article database. You know, if you want to know more about wine, Wine Folly is a place to go. Networking, yeah. So her article, which was very poignant to what Leah was saying about education on wine, and especially as Black people, I mean, necessarily Black women, is how they try to push Moscato on us, like uh, mostly. Yeah. Palettes are more sweet wine yeah. like no we have come we have evolved we are here when it comes to wine so just don't assume because i'm black i'm going to one in moscato mm -hmm. but if i do want a moscato right. i'm gonna tell you which kind of moscato i want exactly, <laughs> exactly. Really love that you know i you know read over her article and it was very poignant and i as a chef it's kind of the same thing with steak i like my steak bloody don't assume mm. that i'm black i want my steak well done hockey puck Nah. And I tell that to anybody all day. I'm like, look, mm -hmm. I know I may be black, but I actually want my steak medium rare. And I, I was, yeah. <laughs> and I think I was, me and I went yeah. out to have something to eat. And I said that, I was like, I know I put mm -hmm. some. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. I, I mean, you know, I, mean, I, like, I know who I am, but don't. <laughs> This is my what though. Yeah. The assumptions and the stereotypes when it comes to black, uh, just consumers mm -hmm. in wine or just, there are so many other things, but we spend, we have so much buying power. And exactly. the fact that this has been a topic of what, what, it, what is being pushed on the black community is cheap liquor and sweet wine, which they're selling themselves short because we'll spend the money yeah. on good wine. Mm -hmm. And we want all of the great things, but mm -hmm. you just assume that we need to be in line with this stereotype. Mm -hmm. Everybody starts with their sweet wine, but you grow out of it. Yeah, and it's if you want, sometimes I want something sweet, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that either. Right, but yeah. just assume that just because I'm always going to go for the Moscato with pineapple juice or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, <laughs> I'm never going to go for that actually. 
<laughs> well, now that we know something that Leo won't do, I think it's a great time for us to take a little peek into our virtual tasting and listen to some of the tips and the questions that came up during that event. How about food pairings? Um, mm -hmm. um, I just have some cheese here, some prosciutto, and you know, you said you should, you know, pair it with different things to see how the wine changes. Um, I didn't want to, you know, ruin my palate, as they say. There's so many variables when it comes to pairing. Um, but I do like to say, first of all, it's easier to pair white wine um, than red. Mm -hmm. And when you are looking to pair, for instance, in a meal, it's better to pair your wine with the sauces and the sides as opposed to the protein. Do you always suggest serving uh, whites with, with fish? I notice everybody uh, no. uh, mentioned all whites, but looks like uh -huh. I'm a red guy, so, uh, you know. No, absolutely not. I think that, I mean, if you like red wine, mm -hmm. Beaujolais and Pinot Noirs are really great, depending on the fish. Mm -hmm. um, really nice burgundies have really bright acid so they go great with fish but they're also very delicate so they're not going to overpower your okay. whatever type of fish okay so, i can't spell, i can't spell beaujolais so i probably can't afford that one we'll go with the burgundy <laughs> yes you can yes you can <laughs> yes, you can. yes you can. beaujolais L-A-I-S. You have to pronounce it again after that. Or the weather has <laughs> that strange shot. Yeah. Wow. say bejeweled. I know we um, we coined this as women in wine, and, and we definitely recommended some, some Black women who are in the wine industry. What other roles are there in the wine industry? There's so many. I mean, wine is the final product of big, long farming. You know, it starts in the farm. <laughs> so there are people that grow the grapes and that tend to the grapes. There are people in the vineyards that tend to the farm. There are winemakers as opposed to vineyard owners. There are the people that make the wine, that blend the wine, that check on the, during the fermentation. Um, those are all specific jobs. And then, you know, there it's, it's a business. So there's marketing and there's, the labels, the artwork that goes on the labels, the distribution. Um, sometimes a lot of wineries, a lot of our smaller wineries are, they just, they're their own distribution. So there is no middleman. And that's another reason why sometimes they're hard to find. You could be a wine, a wine rep. There are a lot of now starting to be a lot of women as wine reps that are selling wine for the distribution companies. So we always need reps. We always need people in distribution, um, education as well. I'm, an, I'm a wine educator, sommeliers, um, working in a, a sommelier can work in a restaurant, a sommelier can work in a store. There are a lot of roles that, that are constantly needing to be filled. Um, and traditionally men, have been at the forefront of winemaking. Even though women have always played a role, it's always been, our role has always been kind of downplayed. Um, and you would be surprised how many women winemakers there are behind a lot of these really big labels. There are a lot of women that are the winemakers. They are the head winemakers. Um, 
and it's not even really it's not really even promoted as that so yes there are a lot of roles but it is really it is still ch very challenging uh, Jen had a good question in the chat as well. So when we're cooking recipes that call for wine, do you cook with the wine you plan to drink with the meal? Or do you just put some swill in um, there to cook it with? <laughs> I think- I argue with my mom on this with all the time. Well, <laughs> you put a disclaimer, I can't drink, sometimes I, I said I can't drink a whole bottle of wine by myself. So if I know it's going past a certain point, I put it into a glass jar, put it in my fridge. So if I'm making oh. a risotto or a sauce, I'm like, okay, great. I got this, you know, bottle of wine that I wouldn't personally drink, but at least I can use it. And it tastes much better than using um, cooking. You see, probably cooking wine. Yeah. No, I hate that. <laughs> no, the reason why I don't use cooking wine is because it has added salt and extra additives in it. Mm. If you just have some extra wine that you didn't finish in a bottle, but I know most of you guys probably drink the whole bottle. I mean, I buy a particular bottle for my lasagna. I cook with it and then I drink the rest. Right. <laughs> you, if you wouldn't drink it, I, I don't think you shouldn't cook with it because that's flavor that you're putting into your food. Thanks for backing me up. <laughs> <laughs> you tell your mom that women and wine said. <laughs> I'm going to get that out of her closet. That actually is an amazing tip. Oh my God. Like you're a genius. Yeah. No wine goes to waste in this world. No wine goes to waste. This whole thing has been so wonderful. Leah, you were the second black sommelier I've ever seen in my entire life. And Oh, wow. Thank you. Okay, now we'll jump back in with our guests to see what else they have to say. And I know that we also touched a little bit on the different roles that are in the wine industry, like winemaker or distributor, and how women can get engaged in the wine industry. One question that one of our Instagrammers had, you know, posed to us, like, was, is there funding available for people of color? Um, to, yeah, to be able to, um, to take advantage of so that they could kind of kickstart their career in the wine industry. I've loved the fact that reading the story about the McBride sisters, how they started the She Can um, yep. initiative. And that really, you know, got me buzzing. Like, oh my God, thank God. Because it costs, a lot of things, it's money. It boils down to the hardcore dollar yep. cash. And yeah. if you can't get those dollars in, it will leave you out of this game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's true. I mean, there is now growing support for women within the industry, particularly, and particularly women of color, mm -hmm. um, to help. There are there are scholarships, to, because I mean the next exam that I have to take is a thousand dollars, eight hundred and fifty dollars. It's not like you know there are some places. I don't work as a psalm on a floor in a restaurant where my restaurant can sponsor that education. When I started, that's actually that I was very fortunate that the, my, um, the owners of the restaurant sponsored my wine education. Whatever classes I wanted to take, they would pay for it. But there's nobody sponsoring that for me. Mm -hmm. And there are numerous certifications that you can get, that you can take, you can take courses and all, and you may not pass the exam. <laughs> and on a high level, the no. ballpark figure on how much, because I, from my knowledge, it's different ways, I guess you can come a psalm that you have, I mean, there's different levels to this game. Yeah. How? Yeah. 
how do you get into there's it? There's so how many much, different. I mean, if I had to say, if I had to invest, how much money? I mean, always at the end of the day, when we say it costs a lot of money, it's so vague. I mean, can you put a hardcore, can you put a number to it? How much does it cost to ballpark to get to some books, certifications? So I believe um, with American Sommelier Association and a lot of classes that you take that are in person, you're tasting wine there. So you're not having to buy the wine. American Sommelier Association, I think is now like $1,200 for a nine month course. And you're tasting several wines. I, I mentioned um, during our wine tasting that when I took the Windows of the World wine course, that was, I, that was just under $1,000. Mm -hmm. And we tasted about 10 wines every class. So, you know, but, oh, wow. and it came with, you know, obviously you taste the wines and then um, it came with the book that corresponds to the class, um, Kevin's Raleigh's book. But if you are somebody who just is not in the industry and you're deciding that this is something that you want to pr pursue, it's, that's, it's thousands and thousands of dollars because you're buying wine, you're tasting wine. I can't tell you how much wine I, I like to buy wine. Mm -hmm. I'm always, it's, it's my new shoes and purses have been replaced yeah. with champagne and <laughs> wine that I can age. So yeah but it's expensive and you're tasting, you're not drinking because you're tasting because you're practicing basically yeah. for an, a, an exam. So it can be very, very expensive. And these positions don't pay um, a ton of money. Mm -hmm. You know, really they don't pay a ton of money. Mm -hmm. That's fine. I can definitely run those parallels between being a chef as well. What I got, I went to culinary school right. with, I mean, that's a whole other conversation itself. People usually ask, do I need to go to culinary school? And that's a, like I said, it's a different topic. But we want, you want to put hardcore numbers to things when people talk about how can I pursue this? It is money. My degree back, what, almost 10 years ago for that, it's like $20,000. Mm -hmm. You know, exactly. When you're talking about being dedicated to your field, if you want to go certain routes, do you have the money to pursue this passion and this is just now the education that goes behind it if you want to go into business as being a winemaker how much does that cost mm -hmm. i've bootstrapped most of it i haven't really looked for that much funding i have been more recently because i really want to grow the label yeah. um and uh and so i've been looking for it more recently but there were times earlier on where it was like oh so you're trying to start a wine label and you're they didn't say this, but you could tell you're black, you're a woman, you have no history here. Whereas a colleague of mine told me, oh, when I started, I went over here and I just did this and it was really easy. And so, you know, there's those things that you can tell there's a, a little bit of a difference. And so I'm kind of happy right now that everybody's trying to support black. So people like, I want to get funding, other people want to get funding. Maybe it won't be as challenging as it was before. Um, but I, I will say that, you know, I, I was blessed and lucky in the sense that I didn't have a whole lot of challenges there. Lots of other challenges, lots of other challenges, but I won't say that most of them, <laughs> I don't think that most of them were due to um, being a woman of color, yeah. Through your year's experience of figuring out where, how you wanted to produce the wine, is there any comprehensive list or a go-to place if somebody wanted to 
be a winemaker because I fill out a form. It's kind of like a little list and like check here. And these are all the things that you need to do exactly. So you won't be surprised. There's an excise, excise tax you have to pay. You kind of know ahead of time. I know in New York, at least more in the food and culinary side, these things used to happen all the time. So I know the city, they actually built, you know, if you wanted to do this, these are the different steps that you would take, all the forms you need to fill out and everything. So it's not so much you going through the process and all in the sudden in the middle, you need a million dollars to, you know, execute your dream that she didn't know that you needed. So I'm interested to see on the wine side, is there something kind of similar or comparable? Um, <laughs> there, there, there was not when I started and I literally I mean and, and to this day sometimes I'm like there's still things that I just don't know and look for the information and I have to go to my mentors and you know the OGs and the, and the business to ask some questions about it um, but definitely there was not a list when I started and I've started to kind of compile a little bit of a list myself but I still haven't seen a comprehensive list I um, was talking to somebody who was interested in and starting a, a business in the wine, uh, like I think they wanted to become, I can't remember, it was like a year ago now. She wanted to become a winemaker, she wanted to distribute, I don't remember what it was, but I, I remember kind of just doing a little extra research just to see if there was something out there. And there's like a list here and there about some real general things that you should consider, but it really doesn't get into the nitty gritty about the fact that you need to consider, you know, how much capsules are going to cost and how much corks are going to cost and how much bottles are going to cost and the time that you have to, you know, lead time that you have to give yourself before you start marketing A, B, and C. I mean, it, there's not. I mean, to answer your question, I've not seen a really good comprehensive list, especially for um, custom crushing too, because custom crushing is a little more of a new concept. Even when I went back to speak to all of these different wineries, um, they didn't have all of the information that I needed because my model is completely different from what they were doing. And they were referring me to all of these um, vendors and merchants and things of that nature, which were great, but those were for big wineries. Like they were way more expensive than what I could afford being a really small outfit. So um, I have not seen a list um, that's really, really comprehensive. And, you know, I'm glad that you brought that up because I, I think that it might be a good time to start working on that and maybe getting some of my colleagues together to help work on something like that for people that are coming into the business. So I was actually reading an article in Forbes about how black women in wine and their allies are banding together to achieve better representation. And if you've listened to any of the other podcasts, you, you, you hear how I'm very much a, um, uh, strong advocate for mentoring. So I'm curious for you ladies, were there mentors or were there um, sponsors or supporters that helped to bring you into this industry that helped to um, show you the ropes or give them some of their tricks of the trade? Because some of the things, you know, as we're talking about right now, so many people are talking about Black Lives Matter and social injustices and promoting Black businesses. One important thing of, report, of supporting Black businesses is also we want excellent businesses. And some of our businesses yeah. are excellent already, but this wine industry has very much been exclusive um, and not inclusive of, of, of Black women or of Black men per se, or women even. Black people. So yeah. I'd be interested to know, have there been any people who are already in the industry that have helped you or that you even have looked at and modeled after that have helped you to 
you know, advance, you, you know, your, your foothold in this industry? Honestly, for me, initially, <clears throat> um, I had a little bit of an advantage because I'd spent so much time in the wine country already, and, and I made all these relationships. So those were really my mentors to begin with, was all of those people that I met. And then at Everett Ridge, they immediately became my, you know, most important mentors when I was going through the process of, of making the wine. So there was a sort of a team. It was like a family. Yeah, it was a family. It's like four, three brothers or something, three or four brothers, and then the head winemaker. And so I spent a lot of time with them learning ins and outs of the wine industry. But at the same time, going back to all of these other people that I had been working with or, you know, communicating with for, the, for so many years. And then once I got into the business and I was um, doing all these events, I made a ton of other friends, colleagues that are winemakers, Mac McDonald and Phil from Longevity, um, uh, um, Daniel from Running Tigers. So as I became, I start to see them at all these events, then we all started to communicate and they became my mentors as well. So I've, um, I would say I have a, a lot that, I wouldn't say there's one specific person. There's a lot of different people that I've kind of been connecting with over the years and continue to connect with. Uh, but I think that anybody who's interested in, in being in this industry really has to find a few people to spend some time with. Like they can research different winemakers or research different winery owners and see what most aligns with what they think that they want to do and then go spend some time because what i did find was that you know people in the wine industry generally are pretty open about information they're pretty willing to share um if, if they see a real interest you know if they really think that you want to do something they're not they're not greedy and think oh you're going to take a piece of my pie if especially if they've been around forever and they've got you know a huge winery and they're doing really well they're not feeling threatened um and so i didn't really have that much trouble with having people give me information you know there is a lady based in Chicago and her name is Regine and I met her via social media. So I can't really call her a mentor, mm -hmm. um, but she is somebody that I do. I can pick her brain about things and she, she has a business like let's talk wine, but on a larger scale. Um, I think she was featured in Forbes. She's a great black woman, super educated, classy, and really just, you know, the type of person that her business, her and her business is what, uh, where I aspire to take my business. Aside from that, I think my, the people that sponsored me were the owners of the restaurant that I, I worked at. And um, I was very fortunate, not even, not just them, but even sommeliers that I worked with other men, they were always men that were really open to, to teaching me things yeah. just because they like to share, you know, put yourself in a position where you're surrounded by people like this, where you're surrounded by people that have this knowledge and rather there are people, people that have the knowledge and they, right. Yeah. right. Well, yeah. none of these people were with, with the exception of regime, none of these people were people of color mm. because in high in fine dining, it's, it's not. It's not. I'm always like the token. Um, and so, you know, but nonetheless, you you still can take that that opportunity and make it into more. And we are my we are a small portion of the popul of the population. So we have to just make our presence known 
because there are people that are willing to help you. They're not, but they're not going to seek you out. They're oh, starting yeah. to a yeah. little bit right now. Right now, I have seen, you know, on social media where there are um, people that are higher up in the industry, white people, non-people of color, that are wanting to help. And they probably have always been willing to help, but not, not unless you're like, hey, I'm interested. They're not going to say, oh, there's a black girl. She seems like I'm, I'm going to introduce her to that. No, they're not going to do that. Yeah, yeah. So we have to put ourselves in that You position. still have to advocate for yourself. You still yeah. have to, you know, seek out and, um, you know, educate yourself and, and look for those openings and networking. I'm a big component of networking. Like, you know, Absolutely. It's, it's about who you know. You know, it could be yeah. about who you know in the restaurant. It could be who you know in the distributing business. It could be who you know that owns a winery, you know, but... Yeah. But all of these things are how we connect with each other and to promote each other. And that's why I loved us getting together and having the wine tasting because even people who had never heard of some of the wineries that um, the Black women-owned brands that we were talking about, like Theophilus Vineyard and um, P. Harrell you know, Wines and Eslina and McBride Sisters, um, Brown Estate, even if they've never heard of those before, after this podcast, after our wine tasting, they've heard of them. And so that helps to spread the word. And then, yeah. they can, like you say, they could go to their wine store and be like, yo, this is what I want. This is what store. I want. You know, bring it here and I'll drink it. If you bring it, I will drink it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's really, you know, just putting it out there. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Even with, you know, the, my pop-up dinners and that's kind of when... When you have women in wine, I'm like, do I really constitute as a woman in the wine industry? But for me, it's a stance of education and exposure. Yes. And I think it's, it's that elitism that comes with wine. Yeah. And that's what a lot of Aborigines like, wow, I don't know a lot about wine. I don't want to even go there. But to be a friendly face, and I think and a lot of it goes to, I'm glad that I met with Lee. I'm like, you have such an air to you. You have a lot of air to you that allows people to feel safe and to create a safe space for consumers, for novice people. Like, you know what, I'm interested in wine, but yet I don't want to be around people who are very pretentious with wine. Yep. I'm not yeah. there yet. But where is that, that level of, I know this brand, I know this story, this is what I want. And I think that's where I, my stance is, is to really introduce people to, you know, different wine spirits and to understand why this brand is what they are. And to ask those, yeah. those questions. Well, ladies, you know, it, it's been so great talking with you guys and um, just wonderful to even hear the insight on your experiences with the wine industry. And then also, you know, the tips of sharing information on tasting wine, what we're looking for in the different um, flavors and notes and scents that we find in the wine. And, and I'm really hoping people that really take the opportunity to not just, you know, guzzle wine, you know, and not just to drink it blindly, but take your time, enjoy it, you know, yeah. and, um, and really like savor the flavor. So then what, as we're going out, like you say, we're not just drinking Moscato anymore. We're drinking so many different types and exploring new types. So whether yeah. the, the wine industry is going up or down, you know, the 
the, the, the money that people in the black community are spending on wine is increasing. So definitely I'm looking forward to people supporting um, black owned, you know, wineries, black owned brands, um, definitely supporting our women because, you know, we definitely hear the need to hear the voice of our black women in society and in our communities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, are there any other um, questions or parting words or statements that you guys want to share with our listeners today? Um, I will say, you know, every uh, there are there are so many black winemakers, mm-hmm. uh, women winemakers that just really fly under the radar. It's a quick Google search, and I think that we should all be educated consumers because. If you do not support us as women, as black women, eventually those things are going to start to fall off. So it's 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 just a little bit of effort to try and seek out um, black-owned businesses, women-owned businesses, women-owned groups, things like this to support us and continue to promote what we are doing, because we as women are doing we're we're actually better at most things than than the men and um and we we deserve we deserve this recognition without having to jump through twice as many hoops as the men do and as black women we're jumping through 10 times as many hoops so you know we just just seek out black owned businesses women owned businesses continue to support women owned businesses Mm-hmm. and provide feedback so if something doesn't go wrong if something doesn't go right you don't stop giving them your business you let them know mm-hmm. so that they can fix it <laughs> yeah and and continue to be in business one of our friends is very you know adamant about letting people know where they have gone wrong so that they could correct it you know, absolutely. if it's a black owned business, you want me to keep coming back here? Absolutely. But you just need to kind of work on your customer service. You just kind of need to maybe work on, you know, thanking me for my business, for bringing my business here, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, at the end of the day, the goal is, yes, I want to support you. And yes, I want you to be better, you know? So yeah. each one, teach one. Let's help each other. Let's see. Um, well, I... You know, it's a it's an interesting business. Um, it's a, a labor of lots of labor of love, um, but um, but it's a really special business. It's a special industry. There's something about wine and wine culture to me that just really like sort of genuinely intertwines people. You know, from all backgrounds, all walks of life, everything else. Like when people get together around wine, it's a whole different experience. And um, and I think. One thing that I really like to impart to people about about wine is that, you know, it's been like the old boys club, right? For so many years, it's been um, kind of restrictive in a sense. But I think people with wine, it's whatever you like. And so, you know, there's all this, well, you know, you can only drink this kind of wine and you have to drink it this way. And you have to be able to smell certain, you know, aromas and taste certain notes and all of that. And sure, yes, that's, that's great. That's a part of the wine experience. But one thing that I, I really get concerned about people saying, well, I don't really want to go to that event and 
have to talk about it because, you know, I don't know anything about wine. I'm probably going to say the wrong thing. And I just don't think there's any wrong things. I think whatever you think and whatever you feel, and whatever you taste and whatever you like, and whatever you dislike, it's a personal thing. I mean, it's, it's a very personal thing about wine. And so I want people to just indulge and enjoy and explore and try everything that they can and all, ask all the questions that they want to ask and not feel ever embarrassed about it. Um, and just, you know, really get to know about this whole like world of wine. For me, it's definitely, um, it's a small ripples make big waves. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Even though, fine, what does my $12 bottle, buying a bottle of something make? But it, it's definitely your voice in here. And yeah. for me, my takeaway was even speaking to one of the wine co um, wine companies, like, hey, do you have these things? And they're like, no, we'll look into it. I'm like, you know what? I don't need to make a $50 million check to somebody, but there's those little things that eat away at people like come on keep going keep going it will make a change in some way so just like all of us as a collective just do one small thing it makes a change yeah that's right exactly you know people you know think oh what is you know just me myself little old me gonna do to make a difference but it's when you make a difference and then people next to you make a difference yeah. and then we that's how our voice gets heard and that's how we you know turn the the wave around and make that change yeah. um, oh excellent well thank you ladies so much for joining me today Salud. <laughs> and um i'll just say thank you for listening to improper mimi where we talk about empowering women at home work or play be sure to listen to improper mimi wherever you listen to your favorite podcast be safe out there my friends black lives still matter every day all day and i want you to keep telling black stories so ciao we'll catch you later <laughs>